Jumpstart your healthy resolutions with reduced pricing on all my favorite supplements from Thorne. Right now, my entire curated selection of Thorne supplements is 20% off, including Thorne's cutting-edge brain support formula, Cinequel. I've added Cinequel to my personal daily regimen to fight off cognitive decline. Cinequel is rich in the best researched ingredients that help support brain function. Its active ingredients help maintain cellular energy production, encourage a healthy balance of inflammatory cytokines, kinds, provide energy to fuel the nerves, support neurotransmitter production, and protect against oxidative stress. It's available in two strengths, Cinequel for everyday maintenance and Cinequel Plus, which provides higher amounts of specific nutrients for shorter-term support after impact-related head injury. Just go to DeerHoffman.com Thorn for 20% off Cinequel, as well as my entire curated selection of Thorn products. That's DeerHoffman.com Thorn. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's a unique podcast because we haven't really talked about this subject. Uh, I think you'll find it uh, timely and relevant, especially if you are a parent or a grandparent or if you deal with children, perhaps you're a teacher or an educator. Our guest is Dr. Ron Anbar. He is an MD. He's board certified in both pediatric pulmonology and general pediatrics. Uh, but he also has a specialty in hypnosis. He's a leader in clinical hypnosis, and he's written a book entitled Changing Children's Lives with Hypnosis. It's a fascinating account of his experiences with children. Uh, he's got 25 years of experience in this realm, allowing him to successfully treat over 7,000 children. He's a professor of medicine and pediatrics and the director of pediatric pulmonology at SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, for over 20 years. He's also worked as guest editor and advisory editor of the American Journal of Clinical, Clinical Hypnosis, uh, and he's written numerous uh, papers, including case studies uh, in research trials, trials of children uh, with pulmonary disorders. So I could go on and on about uh, his credentials and all his publications, but uh, without further ado, here's Dr. Anbar. It's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. So uh, you are trained in pulmonary medicine. So you deal with uh, medical conditions like uh, asthma and cystic fibrosis in children. Uh, but how is it that uh, you took the journey to learn about hypnosis and began to specialize in that field? Well, it first started with a young man 25 years ago who had a very bad asthma and bad allergies to milk products. And he came in uh, to me one day and said, hey, when I uh, smell a cheeseburger, I develop asthma attacks. I thought it was a rather strange symptom, but maybe a milk molecule is wafting through the air and triggering his asthma, which, by the way, I found out later cannot happen. And I said to him, hey, can you imagine eating a cheeseburger, which is something he could not do in real life? And within seconds, he developed what appeared to be a very bad asthma attack. And my first thought was, oh, no, he may stop breathing because twice in his life, 
he'd almost died from exposure to a milk product. And I said, stop it. And he did. I said, wait a minute. You imagine yourself into an asthma attack? If you can do that, can you use your imagination to bring yourself out of one? And later I found out that was hypnosis. Ah, indeed. It was, it, so in effect, this is a psychosomatic. Uh, it, there's actually, it's reminiscent of, of a movie that I recall from 1993 uh, entitled Fearless, uh, starring Jeff Bridges, in which he is the sole survivor of a plane crash. And before the plane crash, he's extremely allergic to strawberries. Even, even as you say, thinking about eating strawberries could begin to trigger an attack. After the plane crash, an extremely traumatic event, which kind of, I guess, uh, rebooted his brain, he was able to eat strawberries, lo and behold. It's kind of like, a little bit like your story. And there you go, except uh, with hypnosis, you don't need to have a traumatic uh, plane crash to change your allergies or allergic exactly. response. You a more benign way of, uh, <laughs> of inducing uh, a cure. Uh, so, so that uh, got you interested in, in the power of the mind to address uh, various types of uh, health problems. Uh, and why do you think that, you know, you, you might have been a, an endocrinologist or you might have been uh, a neurologist or a cardiologist. Why do you think that uh, pulmonary medicine is somehow a lead-in to the potential of hypnotherapy? Well, I think if you keep an open mind, every field of medicine can be affected by psychology. And in fact, I, I published another book called Functional Symptoms in Pediatrics, where I and consulted with every specialist and asked what kind of things in your specialty is affected by psychology. And everyone had a story. So the gastroenterologist deal with kids with irritable bowel syndrome. That's driven by psychology. And then neurologists develop, we work with kids who have headaches or uh, seizures, pseudo seizures, fake seizures, but they look like real seizures. That's driven by psychology. Um, stress uh, dri drives like diabetes, levels your blood sugar. So, Psychology is involved in every aspect of medicine, and I happen to be a pulmonologist, so I saw it in pulmonary, in kids with asthma, with kids with shortness of breath or, or prolonged coughing. Is there something particularly compelling about the power of the breath uh, to uh, address conditions like anxiety or, or various psychosomatic conditions? That, that's a great question. So, yes, uh, um, as you know, uh, breathing uh, oftentimes is used in meditation, for example, as a, as a way of focusing the mind. Um, breath uh, done properly can release, if you breathe deeply, uh, let's say breathe in through your nose on a count of three, hold your breath for a count of five and exhale slowly through your mouth for a count of seven, and you repeat that several times, you're going to release chemicals which actually calm you down. Uh, so breath can be used as a way of self-calming. And breath is actually very, very interesting in that um, in the Bible, for example, uh, God reportedly breathes life into someone. And the word for breath and soul is the same in Hebrew. So hmm. there's an overlap between life force and breath in many cultures, not just Judaism. Hmm. So... There's some common misconceptions about hypnosis. I think people have sometimes a stereotypical idea that it's uh, kind of like a carnival act, you know, where you call somebody up from the audience and, uh, you know, you get them to uh, bark like a dog or uh, cluck like a chicken uh, to the intense amusement of the audience. Uh, is that a, an accurate representation of uh, hypnosis? Well, that's an inaccurate representation. That's what people think it is. Uh, so to clarify, uh, first of all, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Hypnosis is something we do to ourselves. Hypnosis is not mind control. It's not going to sleep. 
So it's not what you see in the stage shows. In the stage shows, the magicians uh, does a little test with the audience and picks out the people who are most gifted at hypnosis. Some people are better at it than others, and then asks them to volunteer. And then the magician tells things that people follow what they're told, and they go into hypnosis, not because the magician puts them into it, but because they just follow his instructions. Hypnosis is not all unusual. Uh, we all do it. For example, if you've ever daydreamed, that's hypnosis. Mm-hmm. If you've ever driven down the highway for three miles and said, how did I get here? That's hypnosis. So it's a usual state of mind. But in that state of mind, you're more receptive to suggestions, and that's how we use it for therapy. Well, you mentioned, so you used an interesting phrase. You, you said some people are more gifted at hypnosis, but not as the people who administer hypnosis, as the uh, recipients of hypnosis. Is this uh, an aptitude that varies from person to person, uh, or is it something that can be cultivated? Uh, well, both. There's some controversy whether it can be cultivated. I believe it can, but there are certain people who are very certain people who are very imaginative, and they tend to do hypnosis well. Um, the patient's intentions is key, since all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. If they're not interested in doing it, nothing happens. So if they're very interested in having it work, it's more likely to work. And then with practice, people can get better at uh, utilizing this mind-body skill, so they can improve their ability in time. I think that falling asleep is a, is a little bit of an example of uh, self-hypnosis, you know, just sort of getting into a relaxation state and, and having the belief that you can get there. Some people have, have unfortunately lost that ability and they suffer from insomnia. Right. So going to sleep is a hypnotic process. In fact, hypnosis, the word means comes from hypno, which is sleep. And the man who, who coined it back in the 19th century uh, initially thought it was a kind of sleep, but then he realized it wasn't. He wanted to actually rename the field mono-ideism, single idea, focusing on single idea, but the name hypnosis stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you work with kids. Uh, are kids uniquely amenable to uh, hypnotherapy or adults perhaps too too far gone or cynical or skeptical or uh, too much into their... Uh, wakened state to uh, to be able to get into a hypnotherapy uh, in, into a hypnotic uh, state. Well, great question. So, first of all, every, everyone can do hypnosis, including adults, but kids do have an easier time, especially between the ages of eight and twelve, when they're old enough to follow instructions, uh, but still using their imagination a great deal. Um, hypnosis involves use of the imagination. So, an adult who's focused on the here and now maybe not as willing to to go there. The other thing that happens with adults is that they um, may be less prone to want to change. So, for example, if you have a teenager who is anxious, you teach them how to use hypnosis to calm themselves, they might overcome their anxiety. An adult who has built his whole life around being anxious they're threatened by maybe being becoming calm because maybe their life would change. Maybe they won't like their job anymore. Maybe their spouse won't like them as a calm person. So they they're more resistant to change. So they're they're more in effect. They're so, more they're more stuck. Correct. So, so correct. And then the hypnosis is less likely to work for them. Exactly. So uh, give us a, a, an idea of the, of the range of conditions. Uh, that are amenable to uh, hypnotherapy. I mean, you use the uh, hypnotherapy for dealing with kids with asthma and cystic fibrosis, which is your specialty, pediatric uh, respiratory diseases. Uh, How does that work, and what are some of the other conditions? Well, 
how it works is that your psychology affects your perception of your symptoms. So, for example, if you have asthma and you get anxious because you may end up in the emergency room and you've cried shots at some point to treat you, the next time you have trouble breathing, you, you'll get anxious, and that anxiety can cause you to have shortness of breath. And if so it's you a go vicious to the cycle. Doctor and, yes. And if you go to the doctor and they just give you medicine for your asthma, it doesn't do anything for your anxiety, so you might remain short of breath. Mm-hmm. And then you label this having bad asthma. Yep. Which is not. You just have anxiety. So that's an example of how it works in the pulmonary world. But as I mentioned earlier, um, every specialty has its own version of uh, symptoms that are aggravated by um, uh, psychology. And therefore, they're all amenable to hypnosis. Chronic pain from arthritis or from regional pain syndrome uh, is amenable to hypnosis. Uh, women can give childbirth with minimal discomfort using hypnosis. Uh, people can stop smoking and lose weight. That's a more classic way of using hypnosis to help yourself. So I believe that any person with chronic medical symptoms can potentially benefit from hypnosis. Either your chronic symptoms make you anxious or depressed, as an example, and that will make your symptoms seem worse. So when you learn to control that, you'll improve. Or in a large number of patients, not the majority, but a large number of patients, their psychology triggers their symptoms. For example, somebody has a difficult boss at work, they might develop headaches. A child might be bullied in school and develop stomach aches. Those kind of patients can often resolve their symptoms using hypnosis and counseling. Uh, what about uh, some of the other conditions that it can work for, especially uh, things that kids are susceptible to, uh, such as... Uh, eating disorders, uh, certainly anxiety, depression, uh, even sometimes phobias. Sure. Well, so eating disorders are tough. Eating disorders are are, are multifactorial. There are many things that cause them. Uh, oftentimes, it's family dysfunction. So just dealing with the child alone and teaching them skills can help, but doesn't necessarily fix the issue. Uh, phobias on the other end of the spectrum are really easy. If a phobia occurs... Are, they're easy to treat. They're not easy to have. Uh, if a phobia occurs as a result of an experience, in hypnosis, you can go back and revisit the experience and relive it, so to say, and thereafter the phobia resolves, oftentimes after one session. Um, in between those, there are kids who have, let's say, bedwetting. Hypnosis helps for that, or the nail biting, or um, problems with bowel movements. Um, all, a lot of uh, insomnia, you mentioned, that hypnosis can help with that. So nightmares. Um, so those are examples of things that affect kids that hypnosis can help. What about, uh, you know, the, the pre-op and, and post-op experience? Because sometimes kids have to undergo uh, surgery. Uh, can it be helpful for, for those circumstances, perhaps to reduce the need for uh, heavy sedation? Absolutely. So it, it can reduce the need for sedation. Um, I was involved for many years working with children with velocardiofacial syndrome. That's a genetic syndrome um, that uh, kids are uh, mentally challenged as part of the syndrome. And there was a study that, where they had to undergo MRIs, um, nuclear magnetic studies, which required that they would lay still for half an hour in a loud scanner. And uh, when I first got involved, these kids were all in all undergoing anesthesia, so they'd lay still. We taught them hypnosis, and 119 out of 120 kids could then undergo the procedure without any 
anesthesia because they learn how to calm themselves. And and post and so for post, pre-op also you can imagine you can calm, help the child remain calmer. Post-op, there have been studies that have shown that kids who are taught hypnosis require less uh, analgesia, less pain medications, and they go home earlier. And also they um, adapt their skills to other things. So one boy discussed how after surgery he was having a hard time voiding, uh, but when he imagined standing up, he was able to void. So he used his Mm -hmm. hypnosis skill to help himself cope better. So-called pee-shy kids, which is not an uncommon problem. You know, they have troubles sometimes going to the bathroom in public, and that can that can be a, a cause of great uh, social embarrassment. And speaking of urinary disorders, what about bedwetting? That's a big problem for, for kids. Absolutely. Bedwetting uh, often improves a great deal within a few weeks of learning how to calm yourself, how to talk to your bladder and tell it to either uh, stay tight all night or talk to the waking part of the brain, the brain that's awake at night, and get me to the bathroom in time. And that kind of hypnotic ideas uh, can help aneurysis or bedwetting and resolve pretty quickly. Also, uh, grief is an issue for kids. You know, the loss of a parent can be extremely uh, traumatic or, or a sibling or a grandparent. Uh, can that can hypnotherapy ease the process of mourning? Yes, uh, I'm glad you asked that. I write about that in, in my book, Changing Children's Lives with Hypnosis, about how um, uh, children who have dealt with loss in the hypnotic state, if they are willing, they can imagine interacting with the loved ones that they lost. And then following such an interaction, uh, the grief process appears to often hasten and improve a great deal. Um, many of those kids who do that will say, when I spoke to my loved ones, it felt real. I thought it was real, and then they're greatly comforted because the news is uh, invariably the loved one is doing fine. The loved one wants the, the child to, to heal and, and do better, and they take that message and run with it. Hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, sports performance. Uh, you know, you were up there in uh, Syracuse, New York. Uh, I guess it's part of where you practice. You're also in uh, La Jolla, California. Uh, do, do you counsel the, the Syracuse uh, Orange Men basketball team for better sports performance? Is that is that feasible? Uh, funny that you asked. I did do that years ago. Seriously? I'm now okay. located in La Jolla. And it, yeah, so ser- seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm, not, I'm now based actually in La Jolla, uh, but I do video conferencing uh, with Syracuse because I was there 21 years and I didn't want to leave the community in, in a lurch when I left. Uh, but yes, uh, athletes of all kinds uh, can benefit from uh, using uh, mind-body regulation, and hypnosis is a great tool for that. In fact, all the all the outstanding athletes use a form of hypnosis, whether they call it that or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Jordan said he used hypnosis. Uh, yeah. You know, Phil Jackson taught meditation and hypnosis yeah, to absolutely. his teams. Absolutely. So, yeah. that's how they that's how they become elite when they learn to use their mind better. Ninety percent of sports is mental. Yeah. So, of course, hypnosis would help that. Uh, yeah, I wonder if uh, Seth Curry uh, invoked uh, hypnotherapy to score uh, 50 points and uh, 16 uh, three-point shots in last night's All-Star game. Uh, he looks cool yep. as a cucumber when he's on the court. You know, he, he's just confident that the ball is going to go through the hoop. I guess he's visualizing it. It's part of his, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's entrained in his nervous system somehow. 
And I suspect, and I don't know about Seth Curry specifically. I know whether he uses what I would call hypnosis, but he, he will play Steph, in the Steph zone. Curry. Seth Curry is his brother here in Brooklyn, which we who we also treasure on the East right, Coast. Right, Steph Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry. Correct. Yeah. So, so Steph Curry. So so he uh, probably plays in the zone where he doesn't even think yeah. much about it in a conscious level. He just it just flows, mm-hmm. and the, the athletes will describe it. They can sort of watch themselves play like they're in the third person and just watching this mm-hmm. happen unfold. Amazing. It's a very interesting state. Yeah, I do recall that uh, my mom, who was a you know, skeptical person in general, uh, she needed a lot of dental work. And she happened to uh, uh, hook up with a dentist who was certified in hypnosis. And uh, she said it was great. She said that she underwent uh, dental procedures with uh, minimal or no anesthesia. And she had to have a lot of dental work. And she was just really delighted. And, and also, the aftermath was better because she... Uh, I guess he planted a suggestion that um, she wasn't going to experience a lot of pain after the surgery. Correct. And the, uh, I th- I've done that myself for myself. Um, I used to have my gums used to bleed, but if I used hypnosis, I could prevent them from bleeding. You can actually control blood flow wow. to some degree with, with your mind. Wow. So, so no, no need to floss. Just, just do some self hypnosis and. <laughs> no, <fine>. no, <laughs> definitely floss. Okay. And one of the things that with you know hypnosis is powerful. That one of the gurus of hypnosis one time developed a belly belly ache, mm-hmm. used hypnosis to take the pain away, and then his appendix ruptured. Aye. So if you if you use hypnosis, you have to use it wisely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The results may vary. Uh, don't necessarily try this at home. You know. <laughs> Because uh, because there could be a, a bad outcome. That's interesting. All right, uh, we'll we'll continue our discussion of uh, uh, hypnosis and its application for children. Uh, a great book I recommend it to you highly: "Changing Children's Lives with Hypnosis: A Journey to the Center" by today's guest, Ron Anbar. By the way, it's spelled R A N. Sounds like Ron, but it's r- pronounced Ron. Ron Anbar, M.D. Uh, are there any resources where people can find out more about you, a website or uh, uh, practice information? Sure. Uh, they can find more information about the book at dranbar.com. And if they want to look at my practice, the website is uh, Centerpoint Medicine, C-N-T-E-R-P-O-I-N-T medicine.com. You're also a frequent contributor to uh, Psychology Today with some uh, excellent columns there. So uh, lots of information available to you. Uh, all right. When we return, uh, I want to take up uh, the issue of uh, COVID uh, because a lot of kids have been masking. A lot of kids have been uh, told that uh, they've got a socially distant distance. Uh, it's been a tough time for kids. Uh, many of them are beset with uh, anxiety. Uh, can uh, hypnosis uh, offer kids a way of reversing the ick factor that the past two years have engendered, um, unfortunately, and um, help us to find a way out of, of the pandemic. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.